0: I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 67. Psalm 67, we'll continue our uh, series that we've been doing this summer through selected uh, psalms. And interestingly enough, as you turn to Psalm 67, or if you see it, it's actually printed at the beginning of your bulletin, we had it as our call to worship, you'll notice that Uh, This again is a psalm, and interestingly, I did not plan this by intention, but the psalms that I've been preaching through this summer, it seems each one has this phrase that Psalm 67 begins with, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, make his face to shine upon us. We saw it back in Psalm 4 that we looked at, I think, at least a month ago, that uh, God was the source of all our good and that we need His face to shine upon us and be reminded of that so we can find our good in Him. We saw it a few weeks ago when we looked at Psalm 80 and saw that God's people are like a vineyard, like a vine growing out of the ground, and that His face needs to shine upon us if we're to grow, if we're to flourish as His vine, as His vineyard, and then we see it. This morning, as we look at and focus specifically on God's heart, God's love for the nations, that we need for God to shine the light of his face upon the nations that they might know him and come to him. We need God to shine the light of his face on us so that we could know God's heart for the nations and when we know his heart, have his heart in us for the nations that he loves. We could love what he loves. And so I invite you to turn uh, with me and you can stand along with me as well to uh, Psalm 67. I'll read it for us. I apologize in advance for uh, made made it all the way through that week down in Peru without any stomach or head cold issues. And now I got a little one. So I apologize. We'll see if we can make it through things OK today. Psalm 67 verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, that Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. You judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. You may be seated as you do. Let's pray again. Oh, Father, how we give you praise for your word that calls us to things we might not otherwise even think about. We thank you for the work of the gospel that it calls us to have a heart for the things that you have a heart for. And I pray today, Lord, that you would increase in each one of us a love for the nations and a love for seeing the gospel extended, for seeing praise raised up among all the peoples of the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you care about somebody, you care about what they care about. On our trip down to Peru, one of the things that we did as a group and is a great thing to do in small groups, uh, men's and women's groups, uh, life groups, we did life stories, uh, most of them during the evening. And so people would share basically in, you know, seven, eight minutes about their life, where they came from, family, and certainly about their spiritual background. And then we would do something that really is interesting We asked everybody to share their worst day and their best day. I won't go into any of the worst days, but we had kind of set something at the beginning of the week, and that was that for the best day, you couldn't say sort of the birth of a child or wedding day or something. Those were kind of off limits. Those were sort of assumed. You had to say something else. But we cut a little slack to Meredith Nelson. When she shared this story about her best day, which was her wedding day, she had, in talking with Blake, her husband now, found out that he had an interest in something happening during their wedding service. That he loved to hear the bagpipes played and would love to have somebody play the bagpipes and specifically play Amazing Grace at their wedding. Now, we we were all intrigued, uh, not just by the fact that Meredith remembered this when he had mentioned it, but actually the fact that Blake had that kind of specific interest in what would happen at his wedding ceremony. Most guys are just trying to get through it, but I can appreciate it. I was excited to hear about that. But Meredith remembered that. She loves Blake, and so she was going to love what he loves, maybe I'm imagining bagpipes wasn't necessarily something she had on the menu for a wedding service. And secretly, without him knowing, she arranged for that to happen. And at a certain point in the service that only her and the pastor and a couple others knew about, in came that bagpipe playing that beautiful song and had a great impact on Blake. have that special thing that his wife knew that he loved and for her to love that as well. Look at Psalm 67, and it tells us that God loves something. God loves to see the nations praise Him, know Him, worship Him. That's what He loves. And so we're called to the degree that God's worked in our life, to the degree that He's saved us. We've seen His grace. We know that He loves us to love Him, and when we love Him, then we want to, Love what he loves. We want to see praises come from the nations, and we want to be a part of that. This is what this psalm calls us to. John Piper uh, has put it this way in his uh, well-known book on missions, and I will go ahead and mention right now that this is sort of a midpoint of the year. We had our mission Sunday back in January, I guess it was, it's a great time as we've completed these summer mission trips, the two that we've gone on to Ukraine and Peru, to sort of remind ourselves of what it is that we're doing. And so I've put out in the four year by kind of the name tag table. Several books that we had available back in in January, one of them is John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad. So if you want to think and explore the themes that we're talking about today more, there's also a missionary biography out there. There's also the Operation World Manual, which tells you about a lot of countries, every country in the world, I think, and gives you ways that you can pray. It's a great, useful resource for your family. So those things are available to you. But Piper said this in his uh, book. He says that missions exist because worship does not. Missions exist because worship does not. And that one day, missions is going to cease because all we'll have is worship. One day when we're in heaven, when God has established the fullness of his kingdom, there'll be no more need for missions. But in the meantime, what we're called to to now... We might think about it as evangelism. We might think about it as outreach or telling people about the gospel. But what we're really doing when we support missions as a church, support the missionaries that are down in Peru or Ukraine, when we go on a trip like we've just gone on, when we discipline ourselves to pray and seek God's face for these countries and the work of the gospel, what we're really doing is we're seeking for God to raise up worshipers of himself. Now, that's going to sound a little crazy. It sounds a little megalomaniac of God to have that focus until we realize that he's God. That he deserves worship and that all of us actually find our fullness. We find our life fulfilled when we worship him. And so when we go and tell the nations about how to worship him, what it means to have salvation in Christ, we're helping them to find their fullness And giving their lives to God and surrendering to him. So as we walk through these verses today, a couple introductory questions. One, do we love the nations? God loves the nations. Do we love the nations? Do we care to see the gospel go forth? Do we realize that there's a need not just to love the nations in a general way, but specifically that they need hope in Christ? They need to hear about salvation in Christ. If God has called us to himself, if he's done a work in our lives, if he's blessed us in any particular way, spiritually or materially, the second question for us is, what are we doing? Are we growing? Are we pursuing greater commitment to as the psalm says, see God's way known throughout the world? Is that our heartbeat? Are we committed to that? Are we taking steps to see that come about? Another way we might ask is this. We say we have a vision as a church to serve in the kingdom. That's kind of one of our three big things that we're going to do, and many ways to do that around our community here in Birmingham, but certainly across the world the question for us should be is is that just a is it a, just a good tagline for us as a church to say that we serve in the kingdom or does it really represent the heartbeat of who we are this psalm is calling us to that and it does so in uh, four ways that I'll try to go through uh, quickly in our time together today but if you want to you can turn in the back of your bulletin I don't think we have an outline there today but if you want to write down these four points to kind of guide yourself, I want to talk about four things that this psalm refers to that should really drive our understanding of what it means to have a heart for what God has a heart for, to have a heart for seeing the nations come to praise him. The first is the way of God. The second is the blessing of God. The third is the praise of God. And the fourth is the fear of God. Let's talk about these for a minute. Look with me at verse 2 and we'll see that these verses proclaim that there's a way of God. That we should be interested. It says in verse 2 that the psalmist is praying that God's way may be known on the earth. That his saving power would be known among the nations. And that word, the way of God, has a content to it. And so we're not just sort of generically wanting to love all of the nations, but we want to love the nations by spreading the gospel, by bringing this message of hope. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but a couple other verses that will help us to understand that. Uh, Psalm 32, verse 8, says this, I will instruct you in the way you should go. There's a content to the way of the Lord. Uh, Psalm 86, 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. Uh, Isaiah 53 verse 6 gives us the opposite side of it. And that is that in our sin it says each of us, we all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, has turned away from the Lord. So there's a way that is going towards the Lord. There's content to that. It means that we know that we're sinners. We know what Jesus has done. We know that he's forgiven our sins and we've put our trust in that. There's that way and then there's a way it's going away from the Lord as well. And so when we talk about missions and we're supporting missionaries and our missions committee is very careful about this, we're wanting to be a part of missions movements that share this message, this content about the way of God. And we should pray that people would know the way of God. Sam uh, shared about it earlier in our concerning our time in Peru. I, I've got to tell you, I, I have... Been on not a ton of mission trips, but probably eight or nine mission trips out of the country. And seen some awesome work take place on every single one of the trips. I, have, I don't think I've ever seen people. These folks came through this clinic down there, and they had their medicine. We specifically designed it. They would have no obligation to stay Because we wanted if they were gonna stay and hear about spiritual realities, if they wanted to talk to the pastor or whatever, that they would do that completely voluntary. They wouldn't be forced to do that. We thought that was the right way to handle it. And as Sam said, some of these people sat around because we were limited by our translators, so El Pastor here, Chris, couldn't couldn't speak very well, so I had to have somebody with me, and so we couldn't and so but sometimes people would kind of ignore the instructions to sort of wait, and we might even be talking about a personal matter with somebody visiting with me, and they would just come over and pull up a little plastic chair and just kind of start sitting there. And then as soon as one of them saw another one of them do it, they thought it was okay. So they'd pull up another chair. They weren't going to stay sitting back there while we were talking about the gospel. I just, it really was amazing. And at first I thought they were family members. And I would ask them, now, who is, is is this your brother, son? Oh, no, we don't know each other. We don't know each other at all. They're pouring out their hearts here sitting next to one another. Uh, but it was amazing to me the opportunity we had with people who were uh, lapsed evangelicals, if you will, lapsed Catholics, people who were aggressive Mormons, people who were, had had all kinds of difficulties, uh, a girl who was about to give uh, birth for the first time and, and, and her boyfriend, who was the father, was nowhere around. It just, story after story, these folks were seeking something from us. And what they were seeking was... To know the way of God. They wanted to know something about God. And that's what we ought to be teaching people. That's what our missions should be about as a church. And that's what we ought to be about right here in Birmingham. As we seek to share with people around us, there's got to be a content to it. Have to share with them at some point who God is and how he works and what it means to have a relationship with him. So we ought to pray for the way of God to go forth. Second thing we see in these verses, uh, verse 6 and 7, so we're jumping to the end of the psalm, and then we'll work our way back to the middle in a minute. It says, the earth is yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. I thought that was an interesting thing to be in this psalm about the nations and God's heart for the nations. I think what it's reminding us of is just this reality that God is blessing people all over. Now the folks we visited as was shared earlier down in Peru and if you've been anywhere else in the world or other places in our country there are folks with less material things than we have there are people living in what we would call uh, generously call a shack But for the most part even the folks we were tending to they had some medical needs but they had food they had some kind of roof over their heads. They enjoyed fellowship. You could see them playing, the moms playing with their kids and you know, friends talking to one another, and they enjoyed those things. And as any uh, experience outside of all the blessings we enjoy in America shows us, we're reminded that God is the one who brings all the blessings that we enjoy. And it was in some ways a very challenging thing that I wondered, the reason these people are sitting around here and available to talk about spiritual realities after they've gone to the medical clinic, is that simply because their lives aren't so cluttered as ours are? With a game they've got to go watch on the TV that they don't have in their place or manifold activities for kids or family that they've got to go to? It was fascinating to watch how they were enjoying the simple blessings of life and able to just sit there and listen to what We had to say. But God shall bless us. And it's an important thing for us to think about today. Are those blessings that God gives to us that we're thankful for and ought to be? The clothes, the material things that we enjoy. Are those things uh, helping us? Are Are we getting closer to God through them? Are we seeking him through them? Or are they actually keeping us away from spending time listening to God's word, listening to God's truth? And seeking Him. Third thing we see in these verses, uh, verse three all the way through verse five, it says it about you know seven or eight ways. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad, sing for joy. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. Well, uh, i probably mentioned before the the Bible doesn't have you know exclamation points in the original language, the Hebrew or the Greek for that matter, and so the way that The Bible tells us that something is important is by repeating it over and over again. So this psalm is telling us that, man, we ought to have, if we want to have the heart of God, if we want to be in line with God, we ought to be praying and seeking that his praises would be extended among the nations. Because he says it about five or six times here, just in one psalm, pleading that his praises would be known among the nations. As I mentioned earlier, Piper's famous quote missions exist because worship does not. What's it going to look like for us as a church not just to have a heart for missions, not just to send teams, but to be growing, to be have a greater earnestness, so that we're uncomfortable if we're not praying more for the gospel to go forth. We're uncomfortable if we're not reading more and hearing more about the mission field. We're uncomfortable if we're not communicating and keeping up with some of the missionaries to encourage them. We're uncomfortable if we're not giving more and more generously each year to the support of missions. We're uncomfortable if some of us aren't here aren't thinking seriously before the Lord about whether we should go long term to the mission field. We've got the heart of God. If we want to see his praises lifted up, those things are going to be on our hearts. We're going to be impacted by them. Fourth thing we see in these verses. I told you I'd go through them fairly quickly. And these verses is the very last part of verse seven, the very last part of this song, which, again, is kind of interesting to me, as I was looking at this, it says, let all the ends of the earth fear him. The rest of this psalm, you know, frankly, has a lot of warm and fuzziness to it. I've challenged us with it today, but really the psalm is you know, about God being praised, about his way being known, about joy and gladness. And it's, it's kind of all uh, up and up. And then you get to this last part of it. and It says, let all the ends of the earth fear And it kind of jars you a little bit. What is that talking about? Well, if we understand the gospel a bit, we will understand that if we're in Christ, if we put our trust in Christ and have salvation, we're shielded by his mercy and grace, we have his righteousness, then we don't have to fear God in terms of his wrath. Romans 8, 1 tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we we understand that. We know we don't fear God in that way. But this psalm reminds us that there is a good, healthy reverence, respect for who God is. And certainly these verses remind us as well, if you're here today and perhaps you haven't put your trust in Christ in that saving way, verses remind us that there's much to be feared. There's much to be feared in condemnation, that we should run as quickly as we can to the mercy that God shows us in Christ, that we might have salvation in him. Where are you and I today with having a heart for the things of God? Psalm tells us about the way of God, the praise of God, the fear of God. Of God and these important realities that that help give some shape to what it means to extend God's heart to the nations. I'll share one final story as we think about the gospel going forth. And I I do want to mention, too, before I share this story, I brought along something uh, that I've been reading recently that's actually not out on the table there, and it's maybe not I don't know if any, it's a little academic, so I don't know if you want to pick it up, but I thought it was interesting that this book was written. This guy's a Harvard professor, and I don't really know that much about him, Laman Senna. But he's writing about something fascinating. As we think about God's heart for the nations, in our lifetime, do you realize that in the lifetime of most of us, except for the, I guess, the young high school students maybe that are among us, in our lifetime, the world of, Academia and secularism has had to deal with the fascinating quandary that although the gospel seems to be receding in some ways in the West, I'm not, I'm certainly not ready to yield any ground here in the States. But certainly we see Europe the gospel moving back into the side line. Even as that's been happening, and as the pundits of our time have proclaimed that the gospel is then disappearing, it's going to fade completely from the earth. The gospel is absolutely exploding in places like Africa and in Asia in measure that we, we couldn't even fathom. We can't even keep up with establishing the churches to handle it. And so this was an interesting book, Whose Religion is Christianity, that was written about how God's, God's got a heart for it. And he's taken the gospel. And folks planted seeds in those places a long time ago in Africa and in Asia, and they didn't see a lot of fruit for a very long time. And all of a sudden, God decides that it's time for a move of his work to come, and it's exploding. I sat at our um, clinic with um, thinking about God's heart for the nations. I I sat in our clinic uh, one, I guess it was Tuesday afternoon, and we had a woman who was one, like I described earlier, who had come And I could, as I was sitting, praying with people and talking with people, and the translator was talking to folks about the gospel, I kind of kept my eye on the waiting station for the evangelism corner we were in there, I guess. And I saw this woman, and my heart sank as, as it did each time this happened when I realized that she got up and was leaving because we didn't, you know, she'd been waiting for a while, and we hadn't been able to get her over to meet with me or with one of the other missionaries, all three of the men MTW missionaries had serious flu and sinus down there, and they were supposed to be helping us translate so they couldn't be there. So I watched her walk off and then was greatly encouraged when later in the day she came back to the clinic. Again, no reason that she needs to come back there. She came and sat down with us. She talked about um, anxiety, and um, you could see it on her face. She did not even hardly have to have the interpreter, it happened that Lori Berry, the wife of one of the missionaries, was sitting there meeting, so that was good, because it was a a woman, as you'll understand in a minute. But she shared about having anxiety, that she couldn't sleep at night, that she had a lot of fear, that she was wrestling with a lot of issues, and it was just, it was on her face, you could see it. And so I talked with her, and we had come up with a little bit of an illustration during the week, since we were doing a medical clinic, thought we'd do a little illustration spiritually for people, and folks would come in with some kind of complaint. They were having relationship troubles or this or that. But we said, you know, when you come in and you ask for prayer about something, what you're talking to us about is actually like a, uh, an injury on the top of your arm, maybe a cut or something. And I said, if you come in here with a cut on the top of your arm, but you actually have a broken bone underneath, and these doctors who you just saw, all they do is put a little band aid on top of that cut, but don't address the broken bone, then we're not really going to be getting at the issue. And that seemed to cross the barrier. Maybe not as good as NASCAR, but it, was, it seemed to cross the barrier pretty well. And so I talked to this woman about that. And so I said, I said, what else is going on in your life? What's driving these things? And she said that she had been to a church for a little while. And had left that church and not gotten much help. And she'd been to uh, some kind of psychologist or something. I don't, again, where these people live. I'm not sure where they would find somebody like that. But she had been. And she hadn't really gotten much help there either. I said, well, but why are you full of anxiety? Why are you unable to rest? And why are you filled with fear? She said, well, some, you know, some loved ones have died. My father died a, a year or two ago. And my sister died fairly recently. And I said, okay. I said, well. Is there anything else that's going on? And then she started to get teared up. And once again, I hardly needed the translator to understand what she was saying. As she apparently described at a younger time in her life when she had been dating a particular guy, or I guess in a relationship with him, dating's our word. She had gotten pregnant, conceived a child, he had left her for another woman. And she had chosen to end her own pregnancy. A couple of things occurred to me as she was sharing that. I mean, at first, my heart sank, and Lori, who was translating, just kind of sang. The first thing that occurred to us was just how incredibly sad that was. The second thing that I think occurred to me was how universal some things are carrying around suffering and pain from decisions or. Actions or things in our past for our whole life that continue to drive, that are broken bones underneath here, that are continuing to cause us to bleed on the surface. And then, of course, I was also encouraged by the fact that we were able to share with her this message that God's given to the nations, that God's given to us right here in Birmingham to help us heal, not just from the things on the surface, but from the things below. And to be able to share with this woman there, you know, I just met halfway across the world about how God can minister to her right there as well. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we, um, we know that you love us. Uh, by sending your son Jesus, you've made that abundantly clear. And, Lord, we just confess right now that although you've loved us, we don't uh, love you back with uh, nearly the vigor and energy that we should or the passion, sincerity that we should. And so, Lord, we uh, ask, uh, even as we ask forgiveness for that, we ask that you would give us strength and energy to love you and love you more. Jesus told us that was the greatest commandment, to love you. And then with that love, Lord, I pray that we would love the things that you love, love the nations, and love to see the nations come to know you. It wouldn't just be uh, some element in the back side of our lives, but that it would be a centerpiece of who we are and who we are as a church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.